This is episode 18 with New South Wales Blues and former Australian under-19 batsman, Ryan Hackney. Welcome to the Process of Success podcast. My name is Tom Scolle. I'm a former professional cricketer with Middlesex County Cricket Club and the founder of Cricket Mentoring, an online cricket community that helps cricketers become their best. I created this podcast to share the personal stories, lessons and beliefs of cricketers of various ages and stages of success. Whether it's a retired test great, someone in the middle of their professional career or a young gun with big aspirations, I think there's so much power in each and every person's story and the lessons they've learned along the way that's got them to where they are. While I hope you enjoy listening to the interviews, I also hope you learn something from them to help you achieve great things both on and off the cricket field. Thanks a lot for listening. Now let's get into this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by our digital academy, The Members Pavilion. Having spent the past few years interacting with cricketers all over the world and hearing their struggles, we know what people are wanting and needing to learn to perform at their best consistently and have put it all in one place. The Members Pavilion is your one-stop place to find content on every aspect of cricket, including all the skills, batting, fast bowling, off-spin, leg spin, wicket-keeping and fielding, as well as fitness, mindset, and insights from some of the world's best players. The Members Pavilion houses all of our premium content, and it's also where our community can interact and learn from each other and other like-minded cricketers from all over the world. So for more information or to become a member now, head to our website, cricketmentoring.com forward slash online dash cricket dash academy. I hope to see you inside soon, legend. G'day legends, welcome to this episode of The Process of Success. Most of you would never have heard of this episode's guest, but I have no doubt you will see and hear about him in the future. 19-year-old Ryan Hackney currently has a rookie contract for New South Wales and was in Perth last week for a second 11 match against WA at the WACA. Earlier this year, Ryan opened the batting for the Australian Under-19 team in their series against Pakistan. This was after he was left out of the Australian Under-19 World Cup squad that went to New Zealand in January this year. While he's still very early in his career, we have no doubt Ryan is going to be very successful, so keep an eye out for him. In this episode, we discussed how he found batting at the Wacker for the first time and how he had to adjust his method from playing in Sydney. How he spent an hour shadow batting after hitting two balls with his new batting coach. What it's like to train with guys like Moses and Reeks and Trent Copeland and the rest of the New South Wales squad. How he realised he didn't need to be something that he's not before scoring 100 for the Aussie under-19s earlier this year. How he never really thought about becoming a professional cricketer until it actually happened. How he has improved his mental game by learning to switch off, plus a whole lot more. This podcast is designed to give you an insight into the journey of people at different stages of their careers and Ryan gives us an excellent insight into one of the country's best young players. He is a very hardworking young man, and with a big ambition, we have no doubt he is going to have a very successful career ahead of him. So let's get into this episode. G'day legends, welcome to this episode of the Process of Success podcast. I'm here today with New South Wales young gun, Ryan Hackney. Ryan's here in his New South Wales gear. He's over here at the moment for a second living game for New South Wales against WA. He's very kindly got up early, um, got his coffee, had his breakfast, and come here at 7 o'clock in the morning to get the podcast done. 
before he gets over to the Wacker to have a hit and do training and warm-ups. Ryan, thanks very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. How's this game going? You uh, got a few runs yesterday? Uh, yeah, they um, declared on day one nine for 360, so we thought that uh, that was very gettable and um, we got off to a good start. We were none for 160 and then I happened to throw my wicket away and we lost uh, six for 100, so not ideal, but probably the game in the balance now and a big third day, especially the first session with us batting. So. And so you obviously opened. How many did you end up on? 80, and then I threw my wicket away, so. Yeah, how'd you get out? Caught on the boundary. Uh, I got a half tracker to the spinner, and uh, it was a pretty freakish catch at deep square, but should have hit it for six anyway. Well, there you go. That's what we were just talking about on the way here. He's saying mm. he should have small boundary. He was a bit in two minds about hitting it on the ground, hitting it in the air. Probably should have gone for six. Now, how have you found the whacker? It must, have been, it must be a great experience mm. walking out and having a bat on the ground. You've sort of grown up watching international cricket. Yeah, you? I actually um, had goosebumps going out to bat there and there was no one there. So, um, But, yeah, it's obviously a lot different to Sydney with the um, bounce of the wicket and the pace. So um, Sydney happens to be kind of like low and slow and the whacker. There's pace, bounce, um, the outfield's lightning. So... Yeah, it's a good place to bat when you get yourself in. And how did you deal with the goosebumps? Obviously, did it did were there nerves there as well, or was it just a bit of excitement as oh, you were walking out? Yeah, it was just a bit of excitement. There was nerves there as well, but I um. As soon as you got out to the middle, it was all business. Yeah, I kind of took a while to get off the mark, but once I did, I think I hit a four through cover, so get I was kind of good since then. Yeah. Awesome. And how did you deal with um? the whack of wickets, like getting into the turf wickets on the sort of the warm-up of the day before, mm. was it a big adjustment from what you're used to in Sydney? Oh uh, Yeah, I was definitely kind of, the balls in Sydney that I would forward defend, I was kind of like sitting back a bit more than what I normally would and just trying to get a feel for what the bounce was like. We didn't use a new ball in the nets, so um, I was thinking whether it'd be different in the game, but it comes on like nice it's kind of like reminded me like batting on Sintho a little bit yeah like in Sydney so it wasn't I guess as different as what I thought but it, it turned out to be like a nice place to bat so awesome so for those viewers and listeners who don't know what Sintho is it's synthetic wickets yeah. it's what the Sydney boys all call the, the hard wickets that we, we all train on um now let's go back to your your start, your journey mm -hmm. um you grew up in the Blue Mountains you still live in the Blue Mountains at home mm -hmm. And you, you have the commute into the SCG all the time, which we'll talk about later on. But how, how did you first get into cricket? Um, so my across-the-road neighbours were, uh, I'd say, late teens. Um, and I was probably nine or ten. And then we played, like, front-yard cricket um, with a 10-metre boundary and a 30-metre boundary. Which, um, one, which was for you being a lefty? Funnily enough, I was right-handed. Um, <laughs> batting to the short boundary on the leg side and I kept hitting the ball over the fence so I switched um, to left-handed. There you go. Because I'm right-hand dominant, so. Okay. Um, yeah, I switched to left-handed to stop. Uh, that was very, I was a bowler back then, so it wasn't really. Wow. My batting was that good. Bit of Brian about that. You must yeah. have heard about that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and being right-hand dominant, which is your top hand, mm. I think I read somewhere once that that makes you seven times more likely mm. to play professional Hussey's, cricket. Hussey's the same, I think. So. Yeah, Chris Rogers. Yeah. Adam Vodas is the opposite. Left-hand yeah. dominant, right-hand yeah. better. Obviously allows you to control, control your spin a bit yeah. more. So how did you then go from being a bowler to then now opening the batting for New South Wales, second 11, and playing a lot of junior representative cricket as a batter? 
Yeah, I guess the first season I played, I kind of played as a bowler or they're just like sweatband swingers. And then uh, under 11s reps, I just like, I forget how, but I just remember opening the batting and then kind of just like couldn't really hit him off the square. But I was okay against the new ball. Like I just let the ball go and had a tight enough defence. So, and then it kind of just grew from there. I ended up, not that I don't really hit the ball off the square now, but like get more power as you grow up and the bowling's quicker, the outfields are better. So yeah. kind of just grew from there. I've always had like a pretty good defence, I would have thought, so. And was that instilled into you <coughs> by your father or an early coach? Or? By, by my first coach, yeah. So I think I, I did a lot of ball on the string, they call it. So they, he had a like a string that he strung to the net and he told me to do like 50. Is that where it's bound, going back and yeah, forward? Yeah, back and just, forward. You defend, just block it straight just and defend, just keep yeah. back. So I do in between like, say we had a, I was training with another guy. Um, in between my sets, I do 54 defences, so. Yeah. So that's what your foundation of your game was, was formed. Yeah. Was just that ball on a string repetition and really trying to subconsciously get used to that, playing that mm. full defence well. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. And, and then so. um, dad got me one for the garage as well, so I would spend all night practicing my full defence, so yeah. Well, there you go. That's why it's very difficult to get out. Yeah. All those hours of training. Yeah. And so who was, what age was that? What age were you, did you start getting your first sort of private coaching and, and really take your cricket seriously? Um, Dad got me into coaching pretty early. I guess he had a um, background in cycling, um, which he did at a fairly good level. So I guess he saw the benefit of coaching. So I straight away I was with a coach. Um, I did a lot of bowling early on and then kind of just my batting grew around my defence, I found, so. Yeah, awesome. And what age did you start to think, oh, I'm quite good at this game cricket, I really enjoy it, and it's something I want to do professionally, it's something I want to do as, as a career when I'm older? Um, I didn't really think about professionally. I just, I had a good season in reps once and it was pretty, like, made me pretty happy. Like, I... Um, did pretty well and then I got picked for the New South Wales under 15 side um, and I did pretty well up, I think it was in Canberra um, and then I guess things just went from there, I, then I got picked for the 17s and then it just flowed on. So, so. it was all just a bit of a progression, not really yeah. from age 12 you thought I'm going to play no. for Australia one day? No, not at all, I just, I guess saw it as a bit of fun with friends, like I played um, with friends from school. I wasn't the best in the team, like there were blokes better than me there. Um, and then, yeah, I guess. Just kept getting better. Coaching and, as well helped, so. And then at what age <coughs> did it click that, okay, I'm pretty good, I'm playing for New South Wales 19s, or I'm playing for Australian under 90s, or what age, but maybe you haven't had that yet, but you are a professional now, you've got a New South Wales contract. When did it sort of start, you start to think, okay, I'm not far off here? Getting a contract. Yeah, and, and sort of having a career in cricket. I guess I never really thought about it. Like, I know I had my 19 season, um, and I, I honestly, until I got the phone call saying I was getting a contract, I didn't, like, I was already planning having an off season, like, how I was going to, I guess, push for a contract, but I never thought that I was going to get one, so. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. how's, how's it been the first few months, obviously? started in May and you had your pre-season, now you're 
a couple of months into the season, how are you finding this life as a professional cricketer? Yeah, it's like got its ups and downs. Like obviously training with the people we get to train with. Um, Moses, uh, Steve Smith, Warner's there. Like just trying to like absorb as much like what they do, what they've got in their kit. Just like little things like that you just like look at. And it's like hard not to take for granted, especially with the drive, but it's like a dream come true and what else would you rather be doing, so. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And no doubt one day you're gonna be one of those senior guys that everyone looks up to you. All things going well. So a bit more about your junior career. You were a dominant sort of underage rep cricketer on a national level, <laughs> sort of 17s and 19s. Um, how did you approach those carnivals? If, you, if I can try and get you to go back into them, <laughs> Was it just that you were just hungry to do as well as you could or were you sort of focusing on trying to be the best player in the country or what was your sort of approach and mindset going into those junior carnivals? I think, well I think for me I knew kind of well out that if I get picked I was going to be an opening batsman. So I kind of like, I found that apart from, I like knew my role, not better than most, but as good as I could. So I kind of like knew what I had to do to be successful and I just tried to, keep replaying that over and over. Um, I guess it kind of expanded as I got better, like at, for example, power hitting um, or in the middle overs, but I just kept trying to replay what I did well and um, what I had to do to be successful in the one day format because it was all one day cricket, so. Awesome, and that's, that's so good for young players listening who might be a little bit younger than you or even some players older is to just stick to what you're good at. I think mm -hmm. a lot of players get to a certain level, get to the higher level, and they think they have to be different, they have to be, think they have to do something different, but mm. you obviously doubled down on what you were good at, and, and that sort of gave you your success, which is which is hugely important. Now, after dominating at the 19s a couple of years ago, um, you were probably, uh, were you one of the leading run <coughs> scorers at that carnival? Yeah, after Will. Yeah. yeah. Will Pukowski, who we've had on here, he was the leading run scorer, Ryan was second. But you didn't make that 19s World Cup. Mm -hmm. um, you were told that you needed to be a bit more expansive in the power play, and you, you sort of. How did you deal with that disappointment? Obviously, you were one of the best batters at the carnival by every right. You probably deserved to be in that squad to go to New Zealand. How did you? How did you take that disappointment? Yeah, funnily enough, I um, got told the day before the final um, that I wasn't going to New Zealand, and then. The day of the final, the HSC results came out, so it was kind of like... A couple of big days. Yeah, a massive day. Like, the morning I found out my HSC mark, and then the day before I found out I wasn't going, but I found it pretty difficult. Like, that final, I remember the final, I just, something just wasn't right. Like, I was thinking about it while I was batting, like... Were you thinking more about the HSC result or more? No, the, the World Cup, like HSC. It was and just... how much, what, was your HSC result all right? Yeah, it was like better than what I thought. So good work. So you had a bit of happiness there, but yeah. a lot of disappointment. M more disappointment, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so go back to the final. Sorry, keep going with that. Uh, I, I just my normal thought processes weren't the same. Like I was more thinking about why I didn't make it. What do I did? What more did I need to show? Like. Uh, that I needed to be more expansive and I just wasn't doing what I did well that game and I didn't get any runs, so. Yeah. And that shows how, what it must be like on a bigger scale for, mm. the, for the top players, how they can get that, that piece of information mm. or that distraction that really 
mm. can really eat away at them while they're playing. And as an as an ex spectator and as a, an observer, we don't ever really know what mm. like no one probably watching apart from the selectors would know that you were going through that mental struggle. Yeah, and it shows how the best players have to be able to compartmentalise whatever is going on outside of the field, or that they might be told they're not in the next squad but they're playing this game mm. or whatever. It's um it's a real skill to be able to do that. Um. So ha- since that you were told that, have you gone away and really tried to work on what they asked you to, to, to be a bit more expansive in the power plays in one-day white ball cricket? Yeah, I got the opportunity to play Pakistan in Melbourne um, and I tried to implement um, what they said and I guess I just found a way of doing it my way, if that makes sense. So um, I was pretty successful in one of the games. Um, and I just found that, um, like it, even though they told me to be more expansive, I just it, the answer wasn't as far away as what I thought. Like I always had it. Um, I just needed to kind of do it my way. Like I didn't need to try and do it like I guess David Warner's way or Chris Gale's way. I needed to do it like my way and what my strengths were. So I was going to say, was that going back to just looking for your strengths that little bit more, mm. just being yeah. a bit more intent to score off the balls that were your balls? Yeah, and being smart. For example, there was a... They're, they're, one of their bowlers has actually taken a lot of ODI wickets now, Shaheen Afridi, so he was, like, not my target, so I just thought if I get through him, and then there was a change of bowler and I went to target him, so it was just kind of, like, being a bit smarter and, um, I guess, picking my moments as yeah. well, so... And again, that's, it's, it's really coming through in this chat so far and, and for everyone listening or watching that you're, you're sort of really backing your strengths, which is, I think, hugely important. Something I try and really encourage my athletes to do is, is to build on your strengths and not try and be something you're not. If you tried mm. to go out and blast like Warner or Gale, you probably wouldn't have had any success and mm. you start forgetting what you're good at. You start doubting yourself as well. So good on you for really just doing it your way. And that's what I think most people need to learn is to do it your way, not do it, try and do it someone else's way. Well, I played um, two of the games. The first game I missed out and I played a shot, like, getting out that was kind of like, probably looked like I was feeling the pressure a bit, like, after not making the World Cup side and being told that I need to do something differently. And then the second game I think I put into practice, um, I guess, what they said, but in my own way. And what did you do in between those two games? Did you have a lot of reflection? Did yeah. you have a lot of time soul-searching and maybe journaling or writing down things or just thinking about, hang on a minute, this isn't the way I play. I'm trying to do something I'm not here. Or how, what was the turning point? I guess that first game, like getting out and just thinking that that wasn't kind of the way I wanted to go about it and then learning from that experience, I found that like even since then, like learning from that experience and being better for it next time has really helped so yeah and that's what all the best athletes do i believe is yeah they learn from every experience they have mm. and no matter whether you're 18 or 19 like ryan is um or you're 31 like myself you you you've always got to be learning and trying to get better so good on you and it showed in your performances with that 100 against pakistan now i remember you first got in contact with cricket mentor or your dad did um, and he wanted some sort of guidance or some help with you sort of transitioning from junior cricket and your dominating results um, in the underage carnivals, but you weren't having the success in, in senior cricket, club cricket, um, grade cricket in Sydney. You probably were, I think you were in the second grade and not scoring as many runs as you would have liked, mm-hmm. probably thinking you should be in the first grade. 
<clears throat> how have you found that being a really good junior um, and then transitioning into senior cricket? How have you found the difference between junior and senior cricket? Um, back then I was probably like searching, like looking at it now, I was probably searching for answers a bit much and um, not letting it just play out naturally, I guess. But um, yeah, I was kind of like in a rush a little bit. Like I wanted to, I had all this underage success and I wanted to kind of like have that show in grey cricket, which it wasn't really showing. But um, looking at it now, I was probably searching for answers a bit much. And, and were you trying to prove something to someone or was it trying to prove something to yourself that you Probably myself. Because it was, um, I was scoring all these underage runs and I couldn't score. Run the same in grade and I was just thinking like, is it mental, is it um, my technique? Like, I was just searching for everything, so. Yeah. And then what, what do you think? Is it just something that's just a bit of time and a bit of yeah. like, a little bit of belief from a score, a little bit more belief from a score, a little bit more belief and now you feel like that's where you belong? Has it just been a time thing or was there one innings in particular that happened and you thought right, I belong here, or I'm good enough for this. Because I think you always do doubt yourself at a, at a level until mm. you've, you've done it. You yeah. sort of can tell yourself you're good enough, yeah. but until you've actually done it, it does take time. Mm. Was there a turning point for you? I think it was just a time thing, yeah. Like I found just naturally, like I, there's a difference between underage bowlers and um, I guess men in grade cricket, but... Um, for me, it was just, I was absolutely searching for everything and the answer was like, it was just a time thing. Like, it was just a natural progression I found and probably mixed with a bit of belief after getting, uh, I can't remember what I got, but um, yeah, I think it was just a bit of belief and then a time thing. Like, for example, after having a pre-season with the Blues, um, I think, because after facing a lot of underage bowling, you don't get like many balls higher up, if that makes sense. Like I found that I've naturally like got a cut shot now, just from facing more bowling, like coming through higher rather than at knee height. Yeah. So your game just evolves and yeah. develops, yeah. and that's what good players do. They they rise to the level and, and their game evolves with it. So, um, how have you found now that you are a pro, and you sort of you've got probably a, a tag as one of the best young players in New South Wales or even Australia? How do you find going to grade cricket? I know that there's. Great cricket, Sydney's tough. There's, there's like mm. a lot, lot can be said. Like some guys with chips on their shoulders that think you're not good enough and mm. you shouldn't be there, and they don't mind telling you about it. How have you found that sort of, I suppose, pressure of being a state player now? I find just like having fun with like all the blokes that I play with at Penrith. Like um, I've known them since like I was in sixth grade there. So I guess just like going out and having fun and focusing on winning for Penrith. We're actually doing pretty well this year, so um, I find just doing that eases a bit of pressure as well. Um, and I guess just like focusing on what I do well also, like I don't need to try and be someone else at grade cricket. Like I know I've got a contract, but doesn't mean I need to blast a hundred off 50 balls. Like I just yeah. need to do what I do well and do it for a long time. Yeah. Um, a long time during my innings and that equals runs so yeah. and then just put out don't don't pay any attention to any cowboy sledging you from the slips no. too many no um, that is a, a, a great way and I think just having fun is, yeah. the, is the recipe for success in, yeah. in anything I think enjoying yourself is when you you play at your best so yeah. 
again, guys, if you're listening or watching, that's got to be something that you, you focus on is enjoying yourself and finding a way to enjoy it with your teammates because that's what brings the best out of you, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, you're, you're doing a bit of uni while you're, um, you're, you're training and you're playing and you're obviously you're over here for four or five days this week and then you're back and you've got Craig Crick on the weekend. How are you juggling that little bit of uni training? How are you finding this sort of lifestyle? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing part-time um, a bachelor in business and um, with a mind, with a head towards kind of like sport, something in, I don't know exactly what I want to do yet, but it's just keeps me busy in the background. Like I'm not always thinking cricket, cricket, cricket all the time. Like how am I going to make a hundred on the weekend? How am I going to face him? Um, it just gets me thinking something away from cricket and... Helps switch you off. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I find that it just like relaxes me a bit more for cricket. Um, I'm learning something new as well, so that's a benefit and who knows where my career end up, but it's just something off the back, yeah. Awesome. And what else do you do to switch off? How else do you take your mind off the game? Because obviously physically you, you train hard, but how do you take your mind away from the game so you're not sort of thinking too much about it, that bowler or that innings or whatever? Well, i got a PlayStation, so FIFA. Um, I'm a big FIFA player. Uh, I found that um, one of the blokes in the second 11 team actually does it like gets the morning paper every morning and does a crossword. Yeah. So um, that trip, I, coming back from the airport, I bought a little crossword book and uh, now even at games, I'm just there doing my crosswords. So I find like that as well. Yeah. Um, just like little things that kind of, I guess, are satisfying for you and just take your mind off cricket, I find definitely helps. Yeah, awesome. And you need balance, absolutely. Yeah. To be your best on the field, I think, whatever it is for you as an individual, you just need to find something yeah. that gives you that sort of balance and that switch off. Now, um, we're going to have to wrap up soonish because Ryan's got to get back to the wh whacker and do his business, go back to his, um, his team. But when you're in the moment, when you're batting and you're having a lot of success recently and, and hopefully moving forward, you're going to have a lot more success. Do you have a mental routine or what, what's your sort of process ball in sort of pre-ball in between balls? Uh, yeah, I've worked a bit with a psychologist in Sydney um, and he talks about having a routine and I guess a process. Um, so for me, it differs for everybody obviously, but for me I like to um, firstly like play the ball and then kind of like step away from the wicket um, actually like physically get off the pitch because um, he likes to call it your work site so get off the pitch like review the ball in your head like what could I have done differently what could I have done better if I played that well how well I played that and then I guess kind of like look at something like for example at the Wacker they've got oh, signs around there saying hashtag made tough so I just look at that or so something. So you pick something early in your innings and that would be your go-to or would it, would it just change throughout? Just change, yeah. yeah, just like look at something or... Yeah, just, date, just gaze into the... Look at the random guy in the grandstand, like yeah. it's just changes. Um, and then um, when I'm ready or when the bowl is ready, step on the wicket and then it's time to switch on again, so... Yeah. And do you have a phrase or a mantra or something that that gets your mind back into the moment or is it something that you just it just happens? It just kind of happens for me but it I find it changes like for me at the moment I tell myself tempo because I don't want to kind of lift my bat up too high and be too tense like I trying to be like more relaxed in my setup and that kind of flows through my batting 
So I tell myself tempo and that. So I that's your that. trigger word, tempo? Yeah. At what point do you say that? When the ball is at the top of their mark or when they're halfway when, through? Or? When I'm going to the crease. Right, so tempo and then it's about letting your mind be free. Yeah. Yeah. And just reacting. Yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, and have you done, you've spoken just then about the psychologist. Have you, what other, you sort of did one of our <coughs> programs, the Peak Performance Program, which we've <coughs> spoken about over the last 18 months or so. What other, or what mental conditioning have you done and, and how's that helped your game? I guess the best mental conditioning for me is just like getting away from the game. Um, now that I think of it, I've tried like different things like meditation, for example, and I find just for me, like I'm a pretty like cricket nuff, like I'm always thinking about cricket. I'm pretty uptight about it. Um, and for me, I guess getting away from the game and for example, playing the PlayStation, playing career mode with Crystal Palace, like I'm doing, um, just gets me away from the game and like thinking anything but cricket, I find like for now is the best bit of mental conditioning I can do. Um, and then when I'm thinking about cricket, I'm 100% like envisaged in it, but I find like the best bit of mental conditioning for me was just to get away from it. I've been like searching for that answer for a while now and it's funny how it just like clicks and it's like as, as simple as that. Like Yeah, absolutely. And um, just realising that that's what you need mm. is, is massive. It's just that self-awareness and that's something I think every athlete needs to work out for themselves is, and it's through trial and error. Like you've tried meditation, you've tried affirmations, you've... Um, tried all these things and the thing that really helps you is just getting away from mm. it because like you say it then allows you to fully focus and that's something I think Chris Rogers did very well um, who's a friend of mine was he, when he wasn't at cricket he was trying not to sort of think about cricket he was switching off he was having a good time enjoying himself so that when he was at cricket he could fully <coughs> focus and mm. give all his energy and he was a bit of a clown when he wasn't at cricket so that he could then be very serious at cricket. Yep. And it's just finding that that happy medium that allows you to be your best at, at cricket. And it might change as you get older, it might sort of things do change, mm. but awesome that you've, you're aware of that now and you figured it out so young and mm. so early on. Um, something that we've spoken about over the, the sort of our relationship over the last sort of 18 to 24 months, I suppose, as well as being trying to convert your starts into big scores. <coughs> How, how do you sort of view that now and where are you at? You're obviously starting to score more hundreds. You've got 100 and grade already this year. You said you'd like to have got three, so it's sort of still something mm. you're working on. It's something we'll all, all batters yeah. never master. We always want to score more hundreds, but how have you gone about trying to convert those starts into big scores? It hasn't really worked well for me recently. I've gotten out for probably more 50s than what I have um, ever, but uh, I guess for me, it's just, um, I guess finding a w something that works. Um, for me, it's different to you. Like, I guess doing and then doing that for like a long period of time and not getting bored of that. For example, like um, yesterday in my innings, I, I found something that kind of like was working, and then um, I kind of like got stuck for a bit, and then I hit a few singles, and then it started flowing again, and then. I just thought like I need to kind of like shift gears, but really I didn't need to. So I guess it's just like doing that for like a long period of time and not getting bored of it because I find like when I get out like for 70 say, it's like trying something that I didn't really need to and what got me to 70 was working and all I needed to do was instead of doing it to there, like do it to there and I've got a 140. 
So just continue doing what's working yeah. and not try and take it up to the next level. Don't try and make what you're doing like that's easy, trying to do it easier. Like you just need to kind of like extend it for as long as you can. So. And I think some people do um, change gears mm. throughout an innings and they can do that well and other people, it can hinder them and they can really, they're better off just batting at one tempo or batting it at one sort of pace. I've kind of like found as well that that's kind of like a natural thing. Like you don't shift gears like... It's not a conscious thing. No, it's like... more of like a, okay, I've just hit four fours in four overs, but mm. it's just happened. Well, the, the bowlers get tired, the fielders get sloppy, like it just kind of like yeah. clicks. So yeah. it's not something that you need to force, like... But you've got to be in, you've got to be in to cash in. Exactly, yeah. You if you're trying to make it happen, you get out. Yeah. You're not going to be in 10 overs later when you, that opportunity yeah. does come. You don't, like, I find you don't really need to manufacture anything. Like, it just kind of, like, happens. Like, spinner bowls a good spell, but, for example, if it's a leggy, you're always going to get that half tracker or, like, crap ball, so. Yeah. And then that happens more consistently as they, like, try different things. Like, tr get bored and try and get you out a bit more, like, the bad ball comes, so. Yeah. Let's take a break from Ryan for a minute and go back to our last episode with England cricket team sports psychologist, Mike Rotherham. How do you help players deal with mistakes and how do you help that sort of not feeling like you're playing well if you're not playing at your absolute best? I think, I think a lot of it's the key, the skill of acceptance. Like you have to accept that it's not going to be perfect. You have to accept you're going to make mistakes. You have to accept you're going to get it wrong. You have to accept that it's not going to feel great every time you go out and, go out and play. Um, and one of our um, one of our uh, batting coaches once said, I mean, been a very successful player that you'll have played with probably, um, Mark Rampercast. He said, probably you know, like of all the times I've played, there's probably one in a hundred where I'd, I'd feel I'd feel like great, mm. and like a lot of the time you you, you fight it, you fight it. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I think, like I, I did a talk last night and I showed a video of Steve Smith after the Ashes where he had all the success and averaged over 100 and he said, oh, I probably wasn't hitting the ball at my best. And Graham Swan said, you're joking. And then he said, no, no, I was just in a good mental space and I was making good decisions. And I think something that I've learned over the last few years is the best players are probably not happy, but they're willing yeah. to perform at or be at 70% or 80% or 92% of their best yeah. whereas I think often as kids or amateurs we get caught up trying when we're not at 100% we feel like we're not playing well yeah yeah we judge ourselves again we judge ourselves against that I think if you can get into that that mindset of acceptance it's not perfect you, you, you'll go a long way now let's get back to Ryan now just um, before we wrap up what sort of technical things are you going through in your game at the moment? What sort of things you're focusing on, and who's helping you with that? Who, who's who are your sort of um, coaches at the moment, and who also have been your mentors or coaches throughout your, your career? I'm um, a batting coach, Neil De Costa. Um, I went to him before I went to the 19s, where I finished second in the runs, because um, I. It was probably more a panic thing as well because I wasn't scoring runs in grade. I thought, like, what do I need to do differently? Is it technical, mental, like... Um, and he, like, changed pretty much everything for me. Um, technically, like, I... The first session I did, I remember, I hit two balls on the bowling machine and they went outside. They've got, like, a botche thing near the indoor centre. And I remember just shadow batting for, like, the next hour with someone that kind of, like, knew the technique and then... 
I guess like um, for the f like next four weeks in grey cricket, I remember thinking like, what am I doing? Like this is, I'm a spastic, like why did I change what was working? And then I went to the 19s and things started like clicking and I found my own way of going about it. Um, so why did he get you to shadow bat? What was that about? Just to get your movements? Yeah, get my movements, get my pick up right. Um, he kind of models what he does off the Indians. Um, so I try to like do that, but I found that it doesn't necessarily have to be the same as someone else. Like it just needs to be your way of doing what he's saying. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like work that out recently and now for example I'm just working on being more relaxed in my setup like not being as tense in my arms like having my arms a bit lower and just like letting things flow um, I find that helps me like not try and overhit the ball which um, I just kind of like flow through the ball which helps a lot I find so awesome yeah <coughs> being relaxed in your body is something mm. that Justin Langer talks about tight focused mind and relaxed in your body mm. allowing yourself to flow and play with freedom and um, that's really interesting to hear the process you went through and sort of the struggle, that initial struggle while you were changing things, mm. but obviously it's now helped in the longer term and that's yeah. something a lot of athletes aren't willing to go through. Yeah. Especially in season, you had to go through four set games or four weekends of grade where you were feeling like a spastic, as you called it, yeah. um, to then get to a point where you were playing much better and I think um, it, it's about sort of two steps backwards to take three or five steps forward. Yeah, I, pro I remember thinking, like, I may as well just change to right-handed. Like, I'm never, like, I wasn't thinking about making a career out of it, but I just thought, like, how am I going to ever achieve what I want to achieve? And then um, things, like, I remember after, like, an under-21s game, for example, I went home, had dinner, went and trained, so I worked pretty hard at it. But I guess things just kind of, like, fell into place and I found my own way of doing it. So just as a... I'm just thinking out loud here, you went home to the Blue Mountains, had dinner and then drove back into Sydney and trained. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so. finished at uh, like 10.30 I think, so on that was Saturday? Sunday, Saturday it was night. an under-21s game, yeah. That's commitment and yeah. that's why you are where you are and that's what's going to take you forward is that sort of level of commitment and willingness to yeah. to get uncomfortable and, and do, do um, what others aren't. And, on that, how do, what does sort of a week look like now? <coughs> Say a week you're not playing second 11, this mm -hmm. week you're playing, next week no second 11 game. What does a week of training look like for you right now? So generally I'd have the Monday off because I play Saturday, Sunday. I play first grade on the Saturday and then under 21s, I'm captain of that team on the Sunday. Um, and then we train with the Blues on the Tuesday. Um, it's, if the Shield team's in, it's a full squad practice or if the Shield team's away, it's just kind of like the second 11 guys plus a few extra. Um, it's in the nets? Yeah, it's in the nets of the SCG. Um, so that starts at about 10, finishes at 1, 1.30 if you want to do a bit of like extra bowling machine work, which I do on the Tuesday. I tend to do a bit more drill work earlier in the week. Um, and then I'd, after that, I'd drive out to Penrith, which is an hour, and go to club. Um, and just, let's just go more into more detail on that session. Yeah. Is it sort of specific to, and we've got another truck outside, so apologies if it's a bit, a bit noisy, but is that specific to what's happening, like where you're at in the, the season? Are you doing like really specific, ready for the next game stuff, red ball cricket, 
um, or is it more just sort of like run in, have a bowl, have a hit, everyone gets what they need to get out of it? How do they sort of structure those Tuesday sessions? It's definitely on the next game coming up. For example, we did a lot of white ball stuff before the JLT Cup and now everything's red ball obviously because of the Shield and then early December will probably go, they'll split up into their big bash teams and then come back for the Shield. But um, yeah, at the moment if there's a Shield game on, for example, I think it starts Friday maybe even earlier, um, it's um, red ball stuff, so. And you as a sort of second level opener, do you get in and face the new ball against some of the other guys or do you bat a little bit later in the session? Yeah, I bat a bit later, like the shield guys start and then I maybe come in second against yeah. the second level bowlers. Sometimes you get like a Copeland, which is yeah. good, so. And then, so go go forward and you drive out on Tuesday, I'll <laughs> be drive out to Penrith. Yeah, and and train that with the Penrith boys. Yep. So it's a pretty long day, Tuesday and Thursdays. I leave Blues training and then do get to Penrith about three, um, have a hit, uh, and then do a bit of fielding because there's not much room in the SCG to do fielding because we're not allowed to use the SCG. So do a bit of fielding, hit some more balls if I want, and then leave there about six, go home, um, and then Wednesday I do my session with my batting coach. That can be like anywhere from two to along like six. That's still Neil? Yeah, Neil. Yeah. Um, and then Thursday back to club cricket and then Friday I just, the day before the game, just get what I need. Usually it's just like a sidearm session for half an hour or so, so. Yeah, and what about your fitness in there? How do you manage your fitness and your body during the season? Um, so we do gym twice a week um, on the Tuesday and Thursday and then I try to like sneak in a conditioning session on the bike or maybe go for a run somewhere like once a week. It's a bit hard now playing second 11 like every second week like and then playing grade Saturday, PG Sunday. So I think I'm playing like six out of seven days this week. So it's a bit tolling on the body. You got to give yourself enough time to recover. So. And that's where a day like today where you're out, mm. you, the boys are batting <coughs> this morning is about feet up. Yeah. You have a hit this morning. Yeah. And then what will the rest of the day look like? You'll probably field at some point. Yeah. But what would your tat today look like? Doing my crossword until we get all out. Hopefully that's around T and our, our wicketkeeper sticks in for a bit. And then, yeah, fielding. So hopefully. Yeah. And then really making sort of this morning and after lunch session, just chilling Chill out, out and letting the body have a rest. Maybe like, probably if my mind gets to it, thinking about yesterday again, but... Uh, try and stay away from that as much as I can. Like I've kind of like done my review of it last night, um, and then yeah, Just moving forward and, and yeah. letting that go. Second innings, focus yeah. on second innings now. And you'll have a hit this morning. Yeah, hit for probably ten minutes. It's more so just to get used to the bounce and just keep experiencing that because I find it's very different to Sydney. So it's more just if I can get as much exposure playing like on the bouncy wickets here as I can, like the better. Absolutely. So, um, and what, just finishing off on your fitness, do you do any sort of stretching or yoga or anything to try and maintain your body in between sessions or not really needed at this stage? Uh, not really needed, but it's more kind of stretching just to feel a bit better. Um, after, say, a gym session where, I don't know, we've done a lot of hammy work or something, we just, yeah, I just do a bit more stretching just to feel a bit loose for when I train yeah. and feel a bit better so I'm not like a robot. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, just that sort of rehab is, is really yeah. important. And do you focus on your diet at all? Do you watch what you eat? We get a lot of questions about what should people be eating. And personally, I've always been quite fit and quite healthy and it's not mm. something I've really 
spent too much time on but as I get a bit older it's something I'm starting to probably give a little bit more attention to except for the last few months but is there anything you sort of monitor or look at or you just eat what you eat? I'm not like religiously like log what I eat but I kind of like try and watch and be smart with what I eat. Um, we've got a good nutritionist there at Cricket New South Wales so little things like what he says like protein after training help so yeah, it's just kind of like eat as good as I can without being like religiously focused on it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I, that's how I go about it. I think that's what most sort of Australian cricketers do. Yeah. I think possibly the Indians are a bit more regimented yeah. um, with their diets. But now final couple of questions, which I ask all our guests um, and no rush answering. You can give yourself a, a second or two to think about it. <coughs> what, what's your definition of success? Um achieving everything you dream of and everything um no being being satisfied with what you do i think it's all about like that's why we play like to be satisfied and i guess like having that sense of fulfillment and in the end happiness so absolutely yeah that's a great answer happiness is yeah is what i think success is too um and finally why do you play cricket because I love it. I'm an absolute like snuff of the game. I like watch everything. Like I watch my foot. I watched all my um, fours last night. So like I just love it. I can't get enough of it. So yeah, awesome. Which is why you should be playing it. Now, how can our listeners and followers follow your journey? Are you on sort of any social media channels they can follow you, or what's the best way? People uh, I'm on Instagram, Ryan.Hackney. So. We'll have a link to that in the um, show notes. We've got it on Instagram already. So, yep. Ryan, thanks very much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your journey and your insights on the process of success. And no doubt the cricket mentoring community is going to be right behind you now after uh, listening to that and, and hearing about where you're at. And we wish you all the luck in your future. Thank you very much. Cheers. Well, legends, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Ryan. As I mentioned at the start, we want to give you a snapshot of lots of people at different stages of their success and Ryan, at just 19 years of age, is in the very early stages of his cricket career. Ryan absolutely loves batting and told me off air that he has a reputation as a very hard trainer, which certainly came across when he described his week of training. How he goes from New South Wales training to Penrith training, all on the same day while travelling about two hours each way, shows his level of commitment to his game and to improving. For all you youngsters listening to this podcast, it should give you an insight into the number of balls these elite young batters are hitting every week. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something, then please share it with your friends and on your social media pages. Remember to tag me, at Skulls5, as I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can connect with Ryan and let him know that you enjoyed the chat on at ryan.hackney, H-A-C-K-N-E-Y, on Instagram. We've also put the video of this chat on our YouTube channel, Cricket Mentoring. So head over there if you want to watch it and please subscribe to our channel if you haven't done so already. Thanks for investing your time to join me for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, learned something from it and realised that anything is possible if you put in the work. Now it's time to go out and get it done, legends.